This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. That's our theme verse from Hebrews 6.19 for this week's Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Family Pastor J.C. Thompson will continue in our series Experiencing Christmas with this week's episode titled Hope. If you want to watch a video of this week's message, listen to worship, or search through our message archives, visit brookwoodchurch.org slash watch or download our Brookwood Church app. We pray this message encourages you and your walk with Christ. Good morning. Y'all can be seated. Thank you so much for being here today. We are closing out our series entitled Experiencing Christmas. And I hope you had a great, great time at Christmas. Anybody have a good time? Yes. Yes. You can still have a good time, even in 2020. Uh, We have some special guests with us here this morning as well. Uh, If you're under the age of 18, thanks for being here with us. Can I get a little whoop whoop? Come on, you were probably louder than that when you saw the, the presents under the Christmas tree, okay? Give me a little whoop whoop. There we go, there we go, good. I'm so glad y'all are here today. Uh, my task today uh, is to end our series and talk about uh, the last kind of characteristic that we look at, the, the word that we're looking at today is called hope. And I've just titled today's message that, hope. Um, Now that Christmas is over, what are you looking forward to? Some immediately jump to New Year's. I know my wife, my wife's birthday was yesterday. Her birthday is the day after Christmas, so she immediately looks forward to that. Um, But for the rest of us in here, after the presents are opened and you start mulling uh, the idea of putting away your Christmas decorations, what's that next thing? Should we have a next thing? Where are we placing our hope? Now, adults, we, we kind of feel this, right? Our, our kids are so pumped up for that span of time where they're counting down the days till Christmas is here and they can destroy all of the wrapping that you spent so much time on and open up the gifts that you've prepared for them. And yet afterwards, there's kind of this like empty space that happens. You know, what, what, what's next? What are we looking forward to now? Are we looking forward to next Christmas? What, what's that thing? Where are we placing our hope? And the Bible talks about this word hope. Now, it has a, a little bit different, different definition. We've kind of talked about that through this series. It's important that we understand what these words mean and maybe not the hallmark definition of those particular words, but what the Bible describes them as. So what does that word hope mean? Well, in Hebrew... And children, yes, you're going to learn a Hebrew word today. Uh, I don't know if you're the only, if I'm the only one in this room excited about that, but I'm excited that you're learning Hebrew today. But here's the word that we're going to learn. The word for hope in Hebrew is kava. Can you say that? Kava. Okay, now it's actually a combination of two words. Uh, Generally in Hebrew, the words mean pictures. And so the picture that the word kava has, that first part, the root word of kava is kav, which means a cord or a rope. And so... We've got this picture of a rope. Now, some of you may be going, what in the world does a rope have to do with hope? But if you've ever watched an action movie like me, you can imagine a scene where someone is dangling and they're about to lose their life and there's one thing holding them. And what is that thing? It's a rope. And so there's all these ideas that go through our head. So this idea of hope based on the way the Old Testament talks about it is this idea of a rope And the word kavah, the word hope, actually means to gather up, to bind, to collect. 
And so the picture that the word hope provides for us is a cord, someone pulling on a rope, collecting, binding a cord, which means if you look at a character in the Old Testament, someone who waited on the Lord or placed their hope in the Lord, what that actually means is they're pulling tightly to the fact that God will come through on what he has promised. See, biblical hope speaks specifically of waiting on God. In the New Testament, when it talks about the word hope, hope, the most common use for the word hope in the New Testament is called el peace. Say el peace. And that's a Greek word which simply means to expect that something good is going to happen or to wait that something good will come to fruition. So it's not just the act of waiting, but it's an expectation that what you are waiting on is good. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but I was telling somebody this story this week, but I, I, I do not like um, uh, Secret Santa. Has anybody ever done Secret Santa before where you buy this gift for someone and they don't know it's you, but you buy it for them? Well, I remember when I was in elementary school, I remember being uh, exposed to this for the first time of what Secret Santa is. So I get really excited as a kid. I'm like, I'm gonna pick out this perfect gift for my friend to Varus Wakefield. I'm gonna pick this out and it's gonna be spectacular. It's gonna be exactly what he wants. And I put in this much effort. I remember specifically what I was getting him. He loved basketball. I'm gonna pick out something special for him. So I pick out this gift, right? And then I bring it to class. And I'm so excited to see him open it up. I'm so pumped. And then I have the same amount of excitement for the gift that I'm about to receive. What do you think I got? Do you think I got this gift that someone expertly prepared that, you know, knew me so well that knew exactly what I would like? No, you know what they gave me? Piggy banks. And I don't know about you, but if there's one thing in the world a first grader is not thinking about, it is their retirement account. And so I remember in first grade just being dejected going home. I remember crying to my mom and saying to her, what in the world, why would this happen to me? What did I do to deserve such punishment? And it was a great conversation that I remember my mom lovingly having with me about the expectation of gifts and things like that. But I I remember this very day, how much hope do I really place in a gift? How much hope do I really place in someone giving me exactly what I want. Now, I hope for you at Christmas time, especially you kids in here and adults, I hope Christmas time as you opened the presents wasn't a moment of disappointment, but it gave you a picture of someone loving you and giving you exactly what you wanted. But oftentimes those gifts will leave us wanting more. And it's possible that we could have placed something or someone in the place of God where we truly should place our hope. We must understand the difference between what we consider earthly hope and biblical hope. And because the kids are in here with us today, I think it's important for us to show this picture and how it really relates to the concept of what the Bible talks about when it uses the word hope. See, faith is complete trust in something. Complete trust. You can't have faith if you've got a doubt associated with a thing in which you place faith in. See, faith is so much confidence in something that you rely on it. And so biblical hope is just this. There's no doubt about it. Biblical hope, there's no doubt about it. Kids, say that with me. Biblical hope, there's no doubt about it. And we'll see today that the Bible tells us specific things about biblical hope 
in the right place. So if you'll turn with me to your Bibles, we're in Hebrews chapter six, mostly today. Uh, we'll be towards the end of that passage. We celebrated Jesus being born to us and Jesus Thankfully, the Christmas story is not just that he is born, but also that he starts a life, that he will live in obedience to the Father. And in Hebrews 6, this particular book teaches us why Jesus as human flesh and God is so important for us when it comes to our connection and standing with God. And so in Hebrews 6, we see first that proper, that biblical hope has a proper focus, a proper focus. Verse 18. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. See, when we place our hope in something, we actively place ourselves in reliance upon the thing that we hope in. If that thing does not come through for us, then our hope it has no merit. In Scripture, we see this command to hold fast to something, to grab on to something with all that we have. This is the first thing that we have to get right about hope. When we are hoping in God, we must hold fast to Him, hold fast to the things that He said about us, about Him, and we grip onto those things with all that's inside of us. And while hope does mean waiting on something, it doesn't just mean sitting there like a bump on the log. We have a role to play. And just like the picture of hope has told us, we're grabbing onto something and we're pulling out the slack and we're doing as much as we can to place our faith in and rely on God to come through on his promises. We pull and we pull and we pull. And we hope that God on the other side is there to hold us up. See, that's what faith is. Faith is trusting something that leads to action. So it's not just believing something is true. It would be one thing if you saw a rope hanging off the side of a cliff and you decided, you know what? That is my only way. That's the only way I'll get out of this situation. But I'm just going to leave it there. That's not faith. Faith means grabbing onto that rope with all that you have. And see, the Bible talks about our faith. It says you only need faith about the size of a mustard seed. And great things can happen. You can move mountains if your faith is just that big and a mustard seed is so small. See, the thing is, the thing that makes our hope really meaningful is not how hard we grab onto the rope. It's that who is holding the rope is the strongest being in all of the world. And it doesn't matter how weak our faith is. If we place our faith in God, he will hold us. He will come through for us. See, our faith doesn't have to be that great, but it does have to be present. It does have to be there. But we must have someone on the other end of that rope who has enough strength to pull us up. Now, in this story in Hebrews, the author here is speaking about a particular promise that God has made to someone he made a promise to a man named Abraham. Now, God promised a few things to a man named Abraham, but one specific thing that he promised to Abraham was that his offspring would be blessed. See, the trouble with that, though, is Abraham didn't have any offspring. So it sounds like a good deal, right? But there's no offspring to be blessed. And so Abraham found himself asking God, God, what, what do you mean? And so God made another promise that Abraham would have a son, 
But you see, here's the thing that Hebrews tells us is that God didn't just promise that Abraham would have a son. He also made an oath that Abraham would have a son. Now, some of us in this room, like based on the way that we live, we don't, we don't necessarily understand like what's the difference between a promise and an oath. Those sound like the same thing, but uh, in ancient times, an oath was meant to be so much stronger than a promise because the oath meant that you are calling on someone who is greater than you. So you would swear an oath by someone who is greater than you. You would, it, you, we did this when we were kids, right? Like we would swear on our mom or we would swear on our dad. Man, I swear this is true. I swear on my, no, we shouldn't do that, right? But that's what we did. We would call on the greatest authority that we could think of in all the world. And that is what we would rest our words on. And yet God in this instance makes an oath. Well, who does God call on that's greater than God? And the answer is no one. God doesn't make an oath based on someone else. God makes an oath based on his very own character because there is no one greater than God. But even though God made this promise, Abraham waited 25 years to have a son. And he was old when he had his son. Genesis 22 tells us he was quite an old man and Sarah was quite an old woman. But he didn't get to see his offspring bless the whole world. But even us, we're a part of seeing that blessing as the church of Jesus Christ taking what we know from God and giving it to the world, sharing love, joy, peace, and hope with the world. So even though Abraham didn't get to see the fullness of the promise of God realized, the promise still was fulfilled. Jesus came to the earth to fulfill God's promise to the world, to be our savior. In fact, as you look through the Old Testament, you see many of the characters in the Old Testament looking towards one day a Messiah would come and he would provide righteousness for them. He would provide connection and fullness in their relationship with God. He would be their savior. And they waited for him to appear. Us, we're on the other side of Christ's appearance. Jesus came and so we look back towards what Jesus did and we place our hope in his life, his death and his resurrection. And we're waiting for him to come again and fix this old world and make it the perfect place that it was always meant to be. But if we are hoping in anything other than Jesus Christ, if we are hoping in anything other than Jesus Christ, we will be disappointed and ultimately we will face the judgment for our sins. Because biblical hope, there's no doubt about it. So here's the question I've got for you. Where have you placed your hope? Is it that you'll do enough good things? When you're pulling the rope, are you pulling success, achievement, how many relationships you have, what other people think about you? When you pull the rope, are you thinking about the next opportunity that you have to make something of yourself? Are you pulling on your family lineage, maybe your name? Or is the only hope that you have, the only rope that you can go to, the rope of Jesus Christ? Biblical hope also has positive fruit, positive fruit. Second part of verse 18. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope 
that lies before us. See, this verse says that when we place our hope in the right place through faith, we gain what? Confidence. We gain confidence. Now that word here, confidence, may be a little bit different than what you're thinking of. The the Greek word here is paraklesis, which is uh, another form of the word parakletos, which means the helper, the comforter, the word that the scriptures use for the Holy Spirit. So that word confidence truly means living as someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. When you place your hope in Christ, you walk with the Spirit of God. And when you walk with the Spirit of God, it gives you a certain characteristic about you that other people may see as confidence or charisma, but ultimately it comes from the confidence that no matter what, God is for you and he's pleased with you because of Jesus. It means you can walk with your head held high. It means that even when you fail, you know that Jesus is for you. It means that no matter how bad a day or week or year that you've had, Jesus is still on your side. When we place our hope in Christ, the Spirit empowers us to stay encouraged and empowered to go through anything, to stay patient and content no matter our circumstances, and we actually become hopeful people. By placing our faith in Christ and binding up, collecting, pulling on that rope, we become hopeful. You know, we know this, but any exercise you do, you get better at it. It's one of the things we love to talk about at the Thompson House. We love to talk about practice because practice makes better. If you're a parent in here, you gotta help your kids learn how to practice. They gotta learn how to practice how they eat their food. They gotta learn how they practice getting in the car and buckling up. They gotta practice how they put their clothes on and get ready for the day. And the reality is we're all practicing, but the scriptures promise us that as we practice placing our hope in Christ, in Christ alone, we get more hopeful. So where it may have seemed like a miracle that you would have ever placed your hope that he would do what he said he would do in that particular situation, as you look back over your life, you may look back and be able to point out multiple times where you placed your hope in Christ and he came through. And you know what happens after you start building on those things? Something comes up and you go, you know what? God's gonna see me through this. God's gonna figure this out. I didn't expect this to happen. I didn't want this to happen. But I've been in situations before and it couldn't be explained by anything other than God coming through on his promise. Have you ever met anyone that has a relationship with God? And when you hear their story of their life, there's so many bad situations that happen to them. It just seems like over and over and over, their story broke the wrong way. And you just feel so bad, like how can their circumstances be bad? But when they're sharing their story, it's never what could have happened or all the failures that that they saw or the things that just didn't go right. Instead, it's that God has miraculously changed them through each and every one of those circumstances and situations. Have you ever met anybody like that? Where it just seems like they should be mad at the world and maybe even mad at God, but they're 
almost the opposite of that. They're grateful, they're content. They always see the best in every situation. See, when we truly become hopeful people, that's how we live. We live with an expectation that God is in control and no matter my circumstances, he will fulfill his promises for me. And we start to focus on God's promises rather than the circumstances of this world. Hannah's an example of this in the scriptures. See, she was not able to have children and not only was she not able to have children, but everyone around her made fun of her, even her own family, even her own husband, frustrated at her that she could not birth a child. And so Hannah cried out to God. She prayed so passionately that the scriptures say she prayed as if the priest saw her being out of her mind. And then when the priest heard why she was praying so passionately to God and not that she was out of her mind, but that she, she had no other hope than God, he blessed her and she had a son. But she didn't just have one son that we know about named Samuel, who ended up anointing King David, becoming the prophet of the Lord. She had five more children after that. In the 1800s, after Christ had been born and died and resurrected, there was a man named George Mueller. George Mueller believed that God would answer anything that he prayed if he prayed according to God's will. In fact, he had some men that he was trying to win to Christ and they said, George, we're not sure if you really believe that. So George started an orphanage, trusting that God would provide every need for every child that he would care for. In his lifetime, George Mueller recorded more than 50,000 answered prayer requests documented in his journals. More than 20,000 of those requests were answered quickly within the same hour or the same day with circumstances like a baker who baked too much bread, dropping off bread at the orphanage, or a wagon of milk breaking down in front of the home where the kids stayed. Over his lifetime, he cared for more than 10,000 orphans, and he began more than 100 schools that provided education to more than 120,000 students because he trusted that God really would do what he said he would do. He was in constant prayer that God would provide not only for the children, but also the staff and anyone who had need. Is that how we come to God's promises? Do we trust him so much that we pray, we depend, we rely on him? Do we believe that? We can see examples in scripture, we can see examples in church history of people who really did. Who were in dire circumstances and they still had hope. First John 3.3 3 says it this way, and everyone who thus hopes in him, and him being Christ Jesus, purifies himself just as Christ is pure. That in placing our faith and our hope in Christ, we become like Christ. 
That hope doesn't just provide the promise, it provides the change in us that we need to wait for the promise. Let me ask you this. If you're to ask your friends and your family, would they use the word hopeful to describe you? When you think about your circumstances, do you tend to think about how God's gonna change this for you? How God's gonna make this work? How God's gonna bring good out of this situation? Or do you immediately go to the worst case scenario? This only happens to me. Why does this always happen to me? When am I ever gonna catch a break? If not, have you truly placed your hope in Christ? Biblical hope also has a perfect foundation, a perfect foundation. Verse 19 in Hebrews 6 says this, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Now, does anybody know what an anchor does? An anchor, an actual anchor, you know, that's attached to a boat. What does it do? What's the point of an anchor? Hold you still, kind of. They don't really hold you still. What do they keep you doing? Drifting, secure, right? So you'll still move in the water even though your anchor, anchor is put down. You see up here a picture of an anchor. These were, you, these were giant, giant objects back in the day when they didn't have things like pieces of metal that they could craft to make them out of. They would make them so large and then they would throw them down in the water and then they would hit the bed of the water and they would stick there so that while your ship may move based on the wind or the waves, you may move this way and you may move that way, but you will not be cast out to sea and you will not be thrown into the rocks, but you will stay where you're at. See, the Bible describes our hope in the same way that it describes an anchor. And our anchor is Jesus. It means that while we may be moved everywhere based on our circumstances or challenges that we come upon in this life, we'll stay stable and secure. And yeah, it may be rough and you may be tossed about, but you are not going far enough. You're never out of the, the length of God's grasp. He always has you. Now, remember we talked about the importance about how strong the object is that is holding the rope that you're pulling onto. Scripture describes the object of our hope as Jesus. He's the object. So it's not as much about how strong we hold the rope, it's more about who is holding the other end, who is pulling us up, who is the anchor point for us. And Scripture always describes that as Jesus Christ. The picture that I think about is, you know, if you've got, if you've got small kids or grandkids, you know when they come in, they want, to, they want to grab on your arm and they want you to lift them up. Anybody experienced this before? The pure joy? 
You know what I love about that picture is? Oftentimes, the kid is not thinking at all that you're going to drop them. Now, I've held up my children for more than 20 seconds before. There is a point in time where I'm thinking, if they don't get off my arm right now, they're going to fall on the ground. I'm not strong enough to keep holding them up. But they will treat my arm like a swing set or monkey bars. They will think about how many tricks, how high, how far can I swing? They will not be thinking about, is this person's arm dependable for me? They are loving the idea of exercising their hope in daddy's arms. While daddy may be a little uh, nervous, they're never nervous about that. And some of us, we live in that. Some of us truly do. I think there are people in this room where 2020 hasn't been negative for you. In fact, you're thinking about how great it's been for you. It's caused you to refocus. It's given you new eyes to view your family, to view your time, to view your resources, to view even your dependence upon this world. And you have placed all of those things that have been revealed to you into Christ. And you've said, hey, I'm repenting of these things that, that God is showing me and I'm placing renewed hope in Christ. And if that's you, you need to be sharing with as many people as you can what 2020 has been like for you. It's your responsibility as a follower of Christ, if you're living this life out, to share the gift of God's goodness with those around you. But not all of us have had that experience this year. Some of us in this room, 2020 has caused us to be shakier than we've ever been, to be more worried about things than we've ever been, to look at the future and go, oh my gosh, is anything ever going to be like it used to be? We struggle to find hope. And see, the Bible speaks about that too. In Ephesians 2, verses 12 and 13, it says this, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise. In other words, you kept trying to grasp at something. Your background, your name, your family, your achievements, and everywhere you grasped, you had no hope and you were without God in this world. But now, in Christ Jesus, those who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In other words, today may be the day where you've been grasping at everything you can to try and find something to provide stability to you, but everything you've tried to grasp this year, you just pull and you get to the end of the rope and there's nothing on the end of it. And so you throw it down and you look for another and you pull and there's nothing and you pull and there's nothing. And you pull and there's nothing. Well, today, by faith, you can pull on the rope that's attached to Christ and Christ can hold you. And you can pull and pull and pull and he will never disappoint you. It continues to say this in Ephesians 2, verse 18, for through him we have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets who were looking forward 
to Jesus Christ, himself being the cornerstone. So if you've been feeling separated from this hope that's available to you in Jesus Christ, you don't have to stay there. If you've pulled on all the ropes and you go, JC, I don't have anything else to pull. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm without hope. When I look at 2020, I'm going, why, 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 why any of this? What, what does all this mean? What's it for? And I'm saying to you, there's one place you've got to hold on to. And it's Jesus. Today, come to him, be reconciled with him, experience forgiveness for all your sins and give your life to Christ. And if you're somebody who experienced this hope, you need to find someone that you can share it with. It's okay to look at somebody who's been struggling and say, hey, listen, I'm sorry that you're going through that, but can I tell you what my life has been like this year? It's been good. I've been able to spend more time with my family than I ever thought I would be able to as a, as a working person. We, just, we decided to homeschool kids this year. We decided to do something different with school, not because we're super excited about that, but because we thought, what an opportunity, what a chance. Let's do that. What's your story that you can share with somebody of the hope you found in Christ? See, from the beginning of time, Jesus has been the hope of the world. It's what we celebrate at Christmas. In the Old Testament, they were waiting on the Messiah. After Jesus came to the earth, people have trusted what he did and have always looked back to his life, his death, his resurrection. And we trust and we wait for him to come back, just as he describes in the Bible. I want to give you a reminder of some of the examples of people who've placed their faith and hope in Christ. Listen to this. Abraham. Abraham waited on his son Isaac for 25 years. God promised Abraham a son, and Abraham trusted God to give him one. God made him the father of many nations. God always fulfills his promises. Hannah, who was teased and ridiculed for not having any children, cried out to the Lord. She prayed with so much energy and passion that the priest thought she was out of her mind. God answered her prayer for a son and five more children after that. David. David was anointed to be king, but wouldn't become king for another 15 years. He had to wait on the Lord to fulfill his promise to him, even while serving a king who was doing everything for selfish reasons. God fulfilled his promises to David. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, the mother of Jesus, waited on him to become the Messiah. The Bible says that after the shepherds shared the good news of Jesus, that Mary treasured these things in her heart. She watched Jesus and waited on God to fulfill Jesus' ministry, even though it would pierce her heart. George Mueller. George Mueller believed that God would answer every prayer that he had had if he prayed according to the will of God. 
God answered him over 50,000 times, recorded by George. God provided for the needs of over 10,000 orphans through the ministry of George Mueller, as George simply trusted God to meet their needs. Lottie Moon. Lottie Moon was one of the first women missionaries. She invested almost 40 years in China. She learned to speak Chinese and wrote many letters urging churches to give to the gospel work there. Now the Lottie Moon Christmas offering has given over $1.5 billion to missions since 1888. People, whether they were before Jesus came or after Jesus came, always place their hope in the same person. And it's Christ. After Jesus came to earth, we place our hope in the finished work of Jesus. We look back on what he accomplished through his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And we trust that what the scriptures say are true, that when we pull the rope, Christ is holding it for us. And we wait for him to return. Have you placed your hope in Christ today? Today's an opportunity for you to do that very thing. Because with biblical hope, there's no doubt about it. Counselors, care volunteers, if you'll come to the front, I just urge you, as you look towards the new year, as you think about where you're at, if you haven't placed your hope in Christ, today is the day. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you that no matter our situation, our circumstances, or an opportunity that you present to us, you promise us that when we look to you, you'll be there. When we place our faith in you, we not only are placing our faith in a person who will always come through for us, but that very process changes us. So help us, God, as we continue to hope in you Make us look more like you. Fill us with the confidence that your word talks about. Help us to share the good news of Jesus with those around us. And we pray, God, that you'll change each of us. Thank you for your love for us and thank you that you are the anchor of our souls. It's in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Our memory verse is Hebrews 6.19. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Here's this week's spiritual practice. Read Psalm 62 and ask God to show you reasons to trust Him. Thank God for each reason He puts in your mind to trust Him. At Brookwood, we want to help you pursue a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. Please email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on our connections team. Thank you for listening. Have a great week and Happy New Year.